All right, welcome in. It is a Friday, late Thursday, early Friday episode. This is your weekend episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the college basketball edition. I am AJ Hoffman, joined as always by Griffin Warner. Griffin, how we doing, man? We're doing all right, AJ. Um, glad the emphasis on the right syllable with uh, always. I appreciate that. Um, happy to be here. Happy to talk hoops. And, uh, you know, we're getting closer and closer to tournament time. And another 2-0. and Hell yeah. That always feels good. Uh, it's not nice to, to have a couple. We had the back-to-back 0-2s, and we are like, oh, boy, what's happening here? So back-to-back 2-0s to follow it up. Which means I I want to say six out of the last eight, uh, or seven of the last nine have at least been one and one, and I think most of those have been two and zero. Oh. So, um, a good little run for the pod with a, a slight hiccup in between. Uh, but you know lines are getting tight this time of year, man. Ooh. It's it's tougher than it was, and I'm feeling the burn. I'm losing. I told you last week I've lost some games with some late game uh, nonsense. Uh, today, as we're doing this pod, is Thursday, and I finally got one with some late game stuff. Uh, I, I had Western Kentucky plus four and a half. They go to overtime, and I was just like, oh, the way I've been running, there's no way this wins. And they lost by four. So things uh, the, the sun shines on a dog's ass, I guess they say. <laughs> and uh, I was the dog today, so I'll take those days, those sunshiny days. Anyhow. Let's jump into this weekend's big games, and uh, we'll, as usual, have a, we'll have a little promo code for you and uh, some best bets at the end of the pod. And I think we got a pretty good slate this weekend. And let's start with the matchup in the Big Twelve, the Baylor Bears, who were my winner this week right. uh, at at Kansas. Kansas, we're, we're projecting as minus four. Uh, home team Baylor's playing really well. Do you want to fade Baylor here? Is it? I mean, I know you're generally looking at the home teams in these spots, but Baylor feels like a whole new team since every day John's been back. I mean, Baylor looks great. I feel like they turn it on a little too early for us to have a lot of value picking them in the pools and such, but I believe, uh, I'm a believer. Uh, I do think this is a really tough spot. As you mentioned, I'm Pretty much, I'm not completely home teams or bust at this point, but it's close. Um, just the, like the foul calls, specifically in last night's Alabama-Tennessee ma- matchup that we talked about in the last pod, just seeing the ridiculous like murders that are allowed on one end and then <laughs> touch fouls on the other. Um, I could just see my blood boiling if I had Alabama in that one. Fortunately, I did not, but I do feel like I was able to at least get outside that area and, and see what was happening. Um, Baylor's got a really tough setup here. They're going to shoot a ton of threes, which um, they don't have to really worry about contact on those. I think three-point shooters are generally protected, whether they're home teams or road teams. Um, but when you go into the fog and shoot a ton of threes, that can go really poorly. Um, in watching Oklahoma State, Kansas today, actually, I've, I've watched it again or watched it for the first time fully with full attention. And um, just seeing what KU does, like – I think everyone is so like terrified of them getting out and running that they don't send as many men to the glass, which means Kansas gets easy uncontested rebounds and then just runs anyway. Um, that's really hard to stop, especially in this modern day era where you can't put two hands on a guy. You can't really bump anybody. Um, and at home in the fog where the, the, the rims shake as you shoot three pointers. I mean, that's a really scary situation. I think for Baylor, 
I love them. I, I think they look really good. I don't love the school, but I like them. I like this team. Um, I think I'm hoping that they take a pretty lopsided beating here. And then we get some more value on them going forward because I think they're a team that can win the championship. Um, I don't necessarily love Kansas as much as I like Baylor for like tournament future things of that nature, but I do like KU at home um, in the fog on Saturday. I'll, I'll lean the opposite here. Okay. Uh, I, I, I get what you're saying about teams being afraid to to crash the offensive glass. I don't think Baylor, I don't think that applies to them. I think that's that's what that's their DNA is crashing the offensive glass. That's what makes them such a great offense. Um and obviously like you know the 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 fact that almost everybody can hit threes. I looked back at the first matchup between Kansas and Baylor. It was a 75-69 win in in Waco. And it it really the difference in the game was turnovers and Kansas couldn't hold on to the ball. And I think a lot of it was they played four guys over 30 minutes. Jalen Wilson played 38 minutes. Uh, they had one guy play 28 and the next closest. So their top five all played more than 28. And then Yusef played 15 and almost nobody else played any meaningful minutes. Baylor had an eight man rotation almost the entire game. And now they have everyday John back. So really they've got a nine man rotation. I think with the pressure that Baylor puts on you, it's hard if you're a team that doesn't have a lot of depth and Kansas clear it, Kansas, the depth that they have, they don't trust in games against good opponents. So when, when Kansas is like we saw the other night, beating up on Oklahoma or Oklahoma state, they're more willing to throw some minutes to, to MJ rice or, or, you know, you day it, but it, in these meaningful games, they just don't do it. So I, I actually lean to Baylor here because I do think they'll continue to crash the offensive glass. And I also just think, I, I don't know if this Kansas team is quite right. And, you know, really since that, that big swoon that they had where they lost four out of six, the win against Texas was nice, and then they beat up Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, who I, I just don't think are very good. Uh, I think Baylor is playing better than anyone in the Big 12 right now. Like their, their only loss going back to like early January is the, the road game at Texas that was a, a well-contested game. So if I'm getting more than a possession with the Bears, I, I think I have to take it right now, and that, that would be – against any team in the big 12 and at, you know, on the road at, at any team in the big 12. So uh, I I'd look to Baylor plus four uh, before. And, it, you know, with the way that these teams, with the way these games have opened and the home teams have, have consistently taken money. Like you may even get a better number than that. And if you get more than four, I think you're getting into a really juicy number for the bears. Possible. I, I think three is my buy price on KU. I can't imagine it'll be lower than that. If it is, I'll be very, very uncomfortable and wondering why the heck that is. Uh, I do think, as I said, that Baylor on a neutral is probably a better team. So therefore that line should be pretty small. Uh, but certainly as the line climbs and gets outside of possession, the more uh, my thoughts swing towards the Baylor Bears. All right, let's talk Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh, Tennessee on the road. They are projected. We'll go Tennessee minus three. Ken Palm has this minus four. Um, I don't think we'll get that, but we'll see. Uh, but this, remember, remember when Tennessee was playing at their best and they were pretty much 
it, it felt like they were, if not the best team in the country, they were the second best team in the country. And Kentucky came into their house about a month ago and just punked them out. And the final score was much closer than the game played. Uh, just felt like Tennessee Tennessee kind of got bullied. Uh, Oscar Shibway, uh dominated 13, 13 rebounds, 15 points. Just there was no answer for him. Now, though, there's no C.J. Frederick. Uh, there's no Severe Wheeler. So there's not really much shooting for Kentucky, which means they're going to have to go inside and score and really all, when Shibway gets his point almost all of his Shibway's offense is basically clean up the rest of the team's crappy offense and if they can't if Kentucky can't stretch Tennessee's defense out I think they have a real hard time scoring uh I kind of like that Tennessee lost this game the first time around because otherwise you'd be thinking well Tennessee just beat the number one team in the country maybe this is a down spot for them but I think considering they'd lost three out of four before the Alabama game, and now they're they're going to Kentucky, who beat them already once this year, I, I expect a full focused effort from Tennessee. I'd lean to the Vols here. What do you think? So I think what you're saying is uh, Oscar Shibway rebound props are probably uh, look to the over on that one because there's not yes. a lot of offense in Kentucky. Um, I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't, I think I've said on this pod, I'm not a huge Oscar fan. Like I like him as a person and what he does, but I just don't think that he's as good as the hype he gets. I think playing for Kentucky is a big deal. NIL, whatever ESPN, just loving Kentucky, all that sort of stuff. But, um, and we also remember the sky was falling when Kentucky went to Tennessee and won this yeah. game. Um, everyone they just thinking, lost to South Carolina at home. It was like a, it was nightmare mode. Get get rid of Coach Cal. He's coming to Austin. Everyone was saying that like it's time to get a divorce. Blah blah blah. Um, that was a pretty nice performance. But when you look at Tennessee, a three for twenty one from three, um, they have that in them. Unfortunately, uh, I do think that there's a little bit of a risk for that. Certainly on the road. Um, but I haven't really liked this Kentucky team at all this season. Um, I haven't really liked Coach Cal for years now. And I, I feel like Kentucky's really struggled in this NIL environment with all the transfers and things because they don't do that. They try to get all these players. And I, I feel like Coach Cal tried to join the transfer portal group and it hasn't really worked for him. So um, I, I heard I didn't know Wheeler was out. I know that he missed the last game. So that's at best someone coming back from injury. So that's scary. Um, but I mean, Frederick's always hurt. It's, it's tough. I, I don't really know where Kentucky's going to go because they can't go inside against Tennessee unless they get some super friendly whistle, which I just don't think will happen in this game. Um, they don't really have a lot of chances inside. Oscar Shibway is going to have to go like 30 and 20 or something like that. I think to give him a chance to win. Um, I don't really love road favorites as, uh, anyone who listens to this podcast is aware, but I don't really see an avenue to me playing Kentucky this weekend, even with a huge crowd at Rupp. The only thing that keeps me from like liking Tennessee here is we're getting to the point where if Kentucky doesn't win a game or two that they're not supposed to win, they're probably playing in the NIT. Like they, I mean, obviously this uh, yesterday this is on, we're recording Thursday, so Wednesday uh, they got a nice road win at Miss State. Uh, which had they lost would have been nightmarish because before that they lost at Georgia, which is. I mean, Yikes. so now they've lost to Georgia and South Carolina this season. Uh, they lost, they got blown out at home by Arkansas. 
it, it's really starting to get to where like that Tennessee win is their win. That's the good win that they've got. Like if you went through each one of their wins and said, well, what's their next best win? It, it might be Texas A&M at home. Or, or or it's or it's Mississippi State on the road. I, I don't know, but it's there's not a lot of good ones. So they need to win uh, this game against Tennessee. They need to win at Arkansas to finish the season. Uh, games that they're pro- they're projected to lose, but they're you, you should expect some sort of desperation out of this team because obviously, you know they they're not looking to miss. It's embarrassing when a team like Kentucky misses the tournament, and right now they're last four out. Uh, there are first four out, excuse me, uh, per Lenardi and on bracket matrix as well. They're not in the field. So uh, they're going to have to start piecing together some real good efforts uh, if they want to make the field. And I think that that's the part that kind of scares me from, from fading them. Cause I expect a pretty focused effort. I get that. Um, I'm, I'm in the fade the heck out of, big name teams that are on the bubble because they are not good enough and are probably on the bubble more than they should be because of their name. Um, It's certainly, I totally understand if that's something that might keep you off of something, but that is like an exact scenario that I'm looking to go against uh, and we'll be looking forward to it. And I got to say on a side note here in bracket matrix, just like it's starting to get the juices flowing. I've been of course (laughs) lost in Europe doing random soccer stuff, but uh, college basketball is my one true love. So I cannot wait. This is like, especially because it's been a good year for us. I'm pumped for what's coming up down this, down the stretch. As am I. All right, let's look at the big 10 and we've got a game between Iowa and Northwestern Northwestern back-to-back wins at home over Purdue and Indiana, in those parts, those are real big wins, no matter how good Purdue and Indiana are, and it just so happens both of them are pretty good right now. Uh, Northwestern at home is a problem. Th- those wins probably locked up their spot in the field. Uh, they get Iowa. Iowa, who is currently uh, they're in the second half against Ohio State, looks like they're cruising to a win. Uh, Ohio State is a, a corpse. like they- They're nothing. Um, but we're going to project Northwestern at minus two uh, at home against the Hawkeyes. What do you see in this matchup? Ooh, uh, uh, I don't really know what to say about Northwestern. Um, their stats are horrible. Uh, and it like they were so bad. They kept me off a bet uh, against Ohio State, the corpse that you just mentioned uh, on the road a couple weeks ago. And or maybe last week. I don't know. The dates are running together for me, but um, I'm, I don't really know how to handle them because they seem like a really good defensive team. They shoot up a million threes, but they don't make a lot of them. Um, I'm just kind of in a spot where I'm looking to be against Northwestern because I feel like they're overperforming what they have. Uh, Chris Collins, decent coach, of course, coming from coach K's coaching tree, probably pretty pissed. He got looked over or they picked John Shire over him, but I mean, I guess you don't want to replace the lesbian legend. So maybe this is his run at trying to get the Duke job. Um, but I gotta say Fran, Fran McCaffrey, like, I don't know that this Iowa team is as weak on the road as they have been for years. Um, I'm pretty interested in the Iowa side here. Um, especially cause I was thinking that Iowa might even be a favorite, but, uh, you projected Northwestern minus two. I think as that number gets bigger and bigger, the more interest I have in, in Iowa, but unfortunately under possession, I think it's home team or nothing for me, despite all that I just said about Northwestern. Yeah. That first game between these two teams, Northwestern was up nine right before halftime and ended up losing 86 to 70. 
game was tied with like 10 and a half minutes left and Iowa just dominated the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, they didn't really have an answer for Boo Booey, who's playing. I, I mean, he's incredible right now, playing way above his head, I'd have to say. Um, but it does feel like Iowa, their recent form, with the exception of the Purdue game last week where they, they got blown out, uh, it feels like they're they're playing at, at a, a, a more comfortable level since McCaffrey's come back. Um, I, this is a really tough one for me. I, I generally don't like Iowa away from home, and it, it, I'm with you. I don't believe in this Northwestern team, but I, I don't think I'm going to put my eggs in an Iowa road game basket uh, against a team that's playing so well right now. The, 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 it's weird because the wins that Iowa has on the road, one of them's Minnesota that they just got. Their other road win in conference play is Rutgers. It, they dominated Rutgers, you know, at the rack. And it's like, how, how does that, how do those two things, or how's that happen? But then they lose at Nebraska. They lose at Ohio State, who I said just stinks. Like they, they just, they're not a, a trustworthy team. They lost at Penn State on the road, lost at Michigan State on the road. I just mentioned they got blown out by Purdue. There's, there's just not a lot of good efforts that they've made away from home. So it's going to be uh, a pure pass for me. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. All right. I don't blame you. Go ahead. Let's go to the American Conference. We haven't talked about the Houston Cougars in a while. They are. I wonder why. They are pretty good. It, it, I mean, the truth is, this reminds me a lot of the last couple years of Gonzaga. It's they're so good that their conference games just aren't interesting. So I said, well, we haven't talked about them in a good while. Let's take a look at them here because this is going to be probably the closest point spread that they'll have for the rest of the season, at least before the uh, the conference tournament. So we're going to Houston hosting Memphis. We're going to project Houston as an 11, maybe 12 point favorite. I, I, I mostly just wanted to take this opportunity to to kind of discuss what's making Houston so good and, and really like, it's hard to predict a, a minus 12 line, you know, one way or the other necessarily, but I, let's just take, let's take this time to more talk about Houston as a whole. Right, we could talk about how they match up with Memphis, but how does it translate into games when they're playing teams that are on their level? Uh, it's a good question. It's hard to really know what Houston will do. I mean, they've, been great in the NCAA tournament for years and years and years now. So I feel like we can trust them, even though a lot of times soft schedules are teams that I want to look to be against. Uh, let's also not forget that Memphis swept them last year. Um, I would think a better Houston team. I mean, har hard to say because they're awesome last year. They're awesome this year again. I don't know that the talent level is as high this year on, on this version of Houston. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I feel like they were better despite all the injuries last year. They just had more like go-to guys, I thought. Um, but then again, they're healthier now, which is huge. Um, they're ranked first in the country, second in the country, depending if they lose, that sort of type of stuff happens. Um, Memphis are really, they're an enigma. They're really tough to predict. Um, their coach is questionable at best. Um, they have a lot of talent on their roster. That addition of Kendrick Davis was huge. 
Um, I think to answer your question about where Houston goes, I, I think this is the biggest game for them. I think the only other tough one they have left, I mean, they're all tough, I guess, to a certain extent, but they do go to Memphis the last game of the year. Um, but I think this is a, a, a sh- I guess, put the a make a statement type of night for them because they know there's a lot of pro scouts that are going to be in the crowd. I think this is going to be a game to get up for. Um, and I think they're going to want some payback for Memphis from last year. Um, I don't necessarily know that I, I give Memphis much of a chance to go into Houston and win. It's a tough place to play. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because I feel like this is one of the few teams in the country that have had an answer for Houston. So I feel like this could be one of those um when you the point spread that you're projecting is above like late fouls so like there's a good chance that this one stays within that number um Houston gets a win moves on and then we see Memphis potentially even use what they learned in this one to then potentially try to pull an upset last game of the season yeah I I I, maybe because I've seen them do it before I've seen them get to the final four and and compete against those big time teams I feel like I trust them a little bit more uh, my problem is right when I was starting to say, man, this is an elite team after they beat Virginia at Virginia and um, they, they smashed Central Florida and Cincinnati. And like I was like, man, they're really putting it together here. Then they lost that game to Temple at home. And I was like, how can I, that doesn't happen to great teams like that? I mean, but it would have been like Gonzaga losing at home to Pacific two years ago that would have never happened uh so that part that kind of threw me off a little bit i'm i'm curious to see i think i mean they they came out and just smacked smu today and again it was uh, they they were up by 14 at halftime and they continue to do that like houston is almost like alabama football like it, it, a couple of years ago it's like play houston first half and then just collect your money because they come out so strong and it's so overwhelming the first time you see them that it's hard to deal with. And it, these teams just wilt. And once they get, once Houston gets comfortable, uh, it's, it's hard to come back against them because they're so great defensively. Memphis is a team that I did not like early in the season. And I've kind of had to come around and say, okay, yeah, maybe they are pretty decent. They can't shoot. And that's sort of my my biggest issue with them in this game is if you can't shoot, like, where are you going to get your points? Because you're not scoring inside against this Houston defense. So it, it's, again, it's, it's a big number, but it'd be Houston or pass for me in this one. All right, let's get to some promo code action before we hit our best bets, Griffin. All right, let's get to it. Uh, have you signed up for pregame.com yet? Well, if you I have. Now is it? Okay, you have, AJ. I think I have as well. But if you haven't and you're listening to us, what are you waiting for? Now's the time to do it. We'll give you a 50, uh, excuse me. We'll give you a $25 site purchase just for signing up for free. You don't have to even put anything in there. Just you get 25 bucks to use. You can buy my picks, AJ's picks, anybody out there. Uh, it only takes 90 seconds. You can take advantage of being a site member by making and tracking your own picks. You know, maybe be a pregame pro yourself someday. Uh, you can post your own picks analysis in our forums. Um, you can draw a following, become a valued member. We're all valued members at this point, but you need to actually get the 25 bucks, sign up, get on there today, receive a $25 site credit to purchase premium picks from one of pregame's very own professional handicappers. Get your free best bet today. 
And since we're also feeling in the uh, post-Valentine's haze of generosity, use the promo code DANCE20, 20% off for all listeners of this college basketball podcast. Uh, it's good for seven days from this podcast release. We get some credit for it. So please use it. DANCE20, 20% off. I get my picks, AJ's picks, anyone on the site's picks. Uh, mine are coming out every night, trying to get them out there for you. AJ's, I think, same sort of situation. So use the promo code DANCE20 because a big dance is coming up and it's time to make some money. And now uh, for best bets, we went 2-0 last week on the pod. Um, I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. Uh, AJ gave me a minus three projection, but minus three layup to minus four against Pittsburgh uh, at home. I feel like Virginia Tech are one of those teams that that have a lot of value because they are a lot better than their record showed. They dealt with a lot of injuries early in the season. They've been getting a lot better lately, and they're catching a team in Pittsburgh who has overperformed expectations. Pittsburgh shoots a ton of threes. I think that's a dangerous thing to do on the road. So take Virginia Tech, minus three up to minus four. Um, if you get in there a little bit cheaper, grab that too. But uh, I think Virginia Tech get a win here, and uh, they're going to make another try to a run or an attempt at winning the ACC tournament to get into the big dance. Yeah, I don't hate it. Pitt has been really impressive to me, though. Like, I, I, and I'm with you. I don't think anybody saw it coming. Uh, so that's the, you're right. Those are the kind of teams that you're looking to fade late in the season. But I mean, they're in that discussion for best teams in the ACC, albeit it's a really down, really down ACC. But they're playing as well as anybody right now, and it's been home and road. They they, they won at North Carolina. Uh, in a spot where it felt like North Carolina like needed a win, um, it, this is a this is a team that I I keep expecting to fall off and they just haven't yet. So uh, this does feel in Virginia Tech is a team I believed in a lot coming into the season, and man, you talk about a team who I feel like has underperformed capabilities. They're near the top of the list. There's no way their record should be 15 and 11 right now. Like it, it just shouldn't be They're They're a much better team than that. So this one boils down to, do you believe in like, do you believe in what you, everything you knew about these teams coming into the year, uh, everything you thought about Virginia tech for the first you know month and a half of the season when they were 11 and one, or do you think that this, this bad run in ACC play is the truth about uh, Virginia tech and Pittsburgh's incredible run is the truth about them. I generally think you get an overreaction on those things. So I, I kind of lean the way you're leaning and I'll use that in, in sort of a, a lead into my best bet uh, ah. because I'm going to go with Penn again, the Quakers who just got us a best bet win last weekend with Harv over against Harvard. And it went back to man, Penn was the preseason, you know, pick to win the Ivy. This was the best team They've got the best player in the Ivy League by far in Jordan Dingle. And Yale was kind of expected to, to have a down year. You know, they were losing uh, th their backcourt. The all-Ivy League backcourt is R. Swain and, and Jalen Gabadin were both gone. So it feels like Yale has kind of exceeded expectations. But if you dig deeper into what Yale's done, it, I mean, the, the win-loss record is nice. 17-6 and six is always nice. But the games that they've kind of stepped up in competition, even going back in the non-conference, they lost to Colorado, which looks like a bad loss now. They they lost to Butler. They lost to Kentucky. All teams that, like, 
it felt like this was a really good team when they played them or a better team than what it, it's shown to be. And then remember, this team started out conference play losing to losing at Columbia, which no one else can lose to Columbia. They lost to Dartmouth at home. Penn is, again, they're, they're playing their best ball right now. They've won five straight. Uh, they just handled Harvard on the road. And I think in, in that first matchup against Yale, by the way, uh, Yale was a seven-point win. It was a seven-point spread. And Penn was playing pretty poorly. So I think you were probably you – know, seven points felt about right at the time. But in that game, there was no answer for Jordan Dingle. Yale just shot the ball incredibly well in that game, shot 40% from three. I don't expect those kinds of numbers while they're on the road. Uh, and I think we're starting to see Penn turn into its form as the best team in this conference. By the way, just for you, obviously in, in the Ivy, you see these games where you play back to back Friday and Saturday. Yale on Saturday has Princeton, who they happen to be tied atop the Ivy League with right now. So uh, maybe a little bit of look ahead for Yale. Uh, overlooking a pin team that they they you know already handled once and is is below them in the standings. Again, I think this pin team is the team to beat in the Ivy. So I'm going to ride them once again. Uh, numbers out right now because it's a Friday game. You can get pin plus two and a half. So my best bet for the weekend will be the Quakers plus two and a half against Yale. I like it. Uh, I was thinking about it myself, and you 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 took the reins. You know a lot more about this game than I do, but. Um, I, I do. I'm always interested in a home dog. I'll put it that way. All right, Griffin, that does it for another episode. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Remember, use those promo codes dance 20. Uh, so as oh, again, we're getting close to the dance. Woo, woo, Gotta woo. love it. Uh, and we'll give you an idea what we're doing come conference tournament time on the the uh, the pod that we release on Sunday night into Monday, the early week pod. Uh, we'll probably, I, I'm not sure what we're doing yet. We're probably going to be doing a little bit more than we're doing now, though, uh, as things get deeper uh, in the season. So for Griffin Warner, I'm AJ Hoffman. Thank you guys for listening and best of luck this weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday morning. <laughs>